Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and I'm happy to say that Nate Zielinski is not with us. I didn't mean that. I mean, I'm happy to say that because Nate was tied up, Dustin Sigler from Tight Lines is joining us. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Terry. How are you? It's been a while. It has. It's good to talk to you. And, you know, I always, I, I've been really kind to Nate on the air the last year or so, so I needed to, gi- I needed to give him a shot. Yeah, and I'm going to do my best to fill his shoes. You know, he always uh, throws me in on the last minute when he's got all his big events going on, doing everything for our community. And uh, and so I do everything I can to fill the shoes of Nate Zielinski, which is almost impossible. <laughs> well, he's he's become quite the big shot. But you know what? He's done it the right way. He really does help people, and he works hard for the community. I think he's got some kids things going on today, so um, we'll forgive him. Anytime you're doing anything for the youth, we're we're all about it. Absolutely. Yep. Out at Lake George, got over 200 kids with him. And, uh, and yeah, he's just doing great things right now. So um, definitely want to fill in and, and do my part. I wanted to talk, uh, if we can, based on what Nate said last week. I listened to your show uh, last week and what Nate had to say about trolling for walleye and would love to dive in a, a, a bit deeper. I'm actually, I got, somehow I managed a couple days off and I'm at Lake McConaughey right now. So I can also fill uh, our listeners in on on a little bit of what's going on up here as well. All right. Well, why don't you kind of take over? You know, Nate was talking about depth control and getting the right lure, not this lure you think you need, but the lure the fish want down to the right depth. Why don't you go ahead and take it from there? Yeah. um, Yeah, everything was action of the lure, right? Having the right action, not just picking a lure based on its dive curve. Um, there's so much to trolling and I think Colorado, um, specifically has smaller bodies of water. So we typically don't have a lot of anglers that like to troll, um, cause it's not always needed in Colorado. When you look, uh, and I compare it directly to Lake McConaughey where you have, you know, a 20 mile long lake and four miles wide, you got a lot of water to cover. And so, um, you rarely ever see anglers sitting still and casting at Lake McConaughey, where in Colorado, there's way more fish per acre and way less acreage of water. So you really start to see where um, you don't have to troll as much. But I think uh, contrary to that, it's so important to troll because we use it all year round. All of us as guides with Tightline Outdoors, we utilize some aspects of trolling when it is needed. And so whether it's lead core um, in the spring when fish are feeding down on bugs at Cherry Creek or right now where uh, bait fish is just through the roof. We got tons of them in the system and fish are now moving constantly swimming underneath those bait fish. Uh, the big thing that I didn't hear Nate talk about, which I think I want to touch on was um, when you're choosing your crankbait, obviously we want to pick something in the shad profile. That's what we have in our lakes and reservoirs in Colorado. Now, on top of that, when you think of color, I think color, um, so many people want to put it at the top of the list, and I think it is a very important thing. But one thing people overlook is actually the bottom side of the lure. So the under the belly color of that lure, more so than the sides and the top. A lot of our walleye, in fact, most all the time, walleye are looking up, um, sitting below the bait fish and feeding up on those. And so... 
understanding the belly side of that lure, what color it has, um, can really benefit you as an angler. There's so many times you're looking at the shiny sides of them, you're not looking at the belly color and the little red flash, or maybe it's an orange belly, or maybe it's yellow. All those play a huge role in selecting that lure for trolling. Um, I know Cherry Creek right now, uh, some of my favorites are, are purple chromes, but it has a red cut on the fin of the crankbait. I'm talking flicker shads. Um, Salmo Hornet, same thing. I have one of my favorites. is a blue chrome out there. Uh, also has a red cut on the almost like a gill flash um, up underneath of it. Uh, both of them work very well high in the water column right now uh, behind boards. You don't have to kick your boards way out or flatlining 55 to 100 feet behind. Um, so suspended fish out at Cherry Creek. Um, big thing I also wanted to mention uh, in retrospect to trolling is we use it year-round, right? Um, spring, summer, and fall. And, and a lot of anglers, they're either, you know, you're either too lazy with it and think it's an easy kind of boring uh, thing to do because you set lines and, and forget them. Um, and then you have the other side of it where it's so advanced and technical that anglers just can't figure it out, so they give up on it. Um, I think more tournaments nationwide have been won with trolling, and I think it's something that if you're a Colorado angler, you kind of have a benefit of having a smaller body of water to learn on because you're not having to scour the lake and look for your fish and then troll for them. You can You know where your fish are. Now just fine-tune your technique. Um, so those are a couple main things. I didn't know if you want to add to any of that, Terry. Well, yeah, there's a couple things I do. I, I couldn't agree more with you about, first of all, trolling isn't just throwing some lures out and hoping a fish hits it. It really, there is some nuances to it. They're not that difficult to learn, but you have to take some time to learn. Uh, one of those that uh, I always got a kick on, when I was writing for In Fisherman and I helped write the critical concept books for walleye fishing, some of the trolling chapters are what I wrote, and one of them, uh, we were talking about boards, and I was talking to Mark Martin, who was, he won the very first professional walleye trail championship. Mark goes back into the 80s. Uh, I know Mark for a long time. He used to pair with uh, a lot of the top names, uh, Gary Roach and some of those. Well, he was an excellent trolling techni technician. And you mentioned not you don't need to get the boards out, you know, like 100 feet from the boat or something. And we did a discussion where we figured that when you're trolling, you go over fish. If they, if they spook at all, they move away, but they only move a short distance away. And then they settle back down. So Mark's uh, approach was always to try to get the boards out the length from the boat that he thought the fish were spooking out there. And he would catch more fish that way. Well, the in-fisherman camera crew came over to him during a tournament, and they were trying to stay away, not interfere with his fishing. And he, he, um, what he did was he kept waving them in closer. He kept waving them in closer and, and saying, uh, and saying, come a little closer. And they were hesitant. So finally, they were the same distance from his board on the other side as his boat was on his side. And they were pushing fish into his board. So he was catching tons of fish because both boats were pushing the fish into the boards. And he ended up winning the tournament. Yep, absolutely. And, and it goes right back to Colorado's waters and how busy they are with boat traffic. 
Um, really, I've found success long lining right behind the boat with crankbaits, only, you know, 60 to 80 foot behind my boat um, because there's so much surface commotion. Uh, these fish are just, uh, I don't even know if they get scared in Colorado with the amount of, of uh, surface commotion going on, but, but you're exactly right. Um, you know, you got a 21-foot fish swimming above the top of them. They're obviously going to scoop to the side to some extent. Um, how far? All depends on the amount of commotion going on, I believe. And so um, playing that to your factors, uh, factors your bite, um, I compare it right now uh, out at McConaughey. We're pulling lead core with crankbaits and lead core with spinnerbaits. And uh, it's so funny. We're fishing in, you know, 15 foot of water to 12 foot of water in some areas. Um, pulling our crankbaits through, and then I switch locations not far, and uh, I'm in about 17, 18 foot of water pulling spinnerbaits across the tops of trees. And uh, the big thing to note here is every single angler is trolling. There is no one sitting still. There's no one trying to cast at these. Now, obviously, our structure is a little bit different, and that plays a huge role. If your structure um, and your fish are truly set up on a certain area, it doesn't promote a good trolling technique. You, you don't want to just troll and catch your fish in uh, a 10-foot span of the water column or, or you know, 10-yard span. Um, you know, set up on them and figure out something that's going to work where you can constantly have bait in front of that fish. But uh, out here, they're so vast and spread out, they're actually moved to a gizzard shad forage base instead of the owlwife, which they'll move on to in the fall. So they're being picky as to what they want. They move from one end of the lake to the other just based on what they want to eat. Uh, and then you just see that contacting these fish, it takes every bit of trolling. Uh, it's probably close to a half-mile stretch that we're trolling back and forth on either side of the lake on the west end with crankbaits and spinnerbaits. And uh, it's really been an unbelievable bite. Your average fish is 23 inches and about five, six pounds. So you can't complain with that. Uh, Big Mac is an incredible walleye fishery. The biomass in that lake, we're going to see another state record out of there. A couple of things to piggyback on what you said, too. You know, people get hung up in thinking that trolling means crankbaits, and I'm glad to hear you bring spinners up. I know Brad Peterson, who's coming up later in the show, pulls spinners a lot when he's trolling, uh, or even the slow death rigs sometimes. Trolling... Uh, you're moving the boat. It doesn't always have to be two, three miles an hour. Sometimes it can be different speeds with different approaches. Uh, and another thing, and I will get your opinion on this, when people are trolling, uh, you really need to understand your electronics because I've been a lot of my most six Glendo, I have a YouTube uh, video on trolling at Glendo. In fact, I have two of them from two different times of the year. And we were trolling one of them over about, 10, 15 feet of water, but the other one we were trolling over 60 feet of water and trolling very shallow. So you really need to be able to understand where the fish are at, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's paramount to make sure that you have a couple different things going on with your electronics. Um, you know, they're all so close in, in performance that uh, whether you're a Lowrance guy or a Humminbird guy or Garmin, uh, they're all going to do uh, about the same things. Now, the big thing to note here um, is making sure you have a good map of the lake. I think that's probably one of the top things. I'd almost rather have a map than a, than a sonar. Um, and then uh, in conjunction with that, obviously you're going to need some sort of imaging and Depending on the depth of water you're fishing, side imaging can be a, a very, very important key thing to use. 
um, down imaging out, out here at McConaughey to be able to see how tall those trees are coming up off the bottom. 2D sonar is kind of, um, it's come a long way, to be honest with you. It's, it's clean. It's clear. You can really tell um, what's, what's from what. But when you have fish in trees, uh, it all of a sudden just kind of globs it all together. So my hummingbirds do a good job at uh, doing down imaging, and I'm able to see through those trees and really see if I have fish sitting in those trees or not. And uh, all those play a huge factor. I know the other day uh, I was trolling through a section of trees, and, and they were ending before I wanted them to, but I made a couple passes and saw that the line of trees were running a certain direction on the lake that I wasn't running my boat. So I wanted to keep my boat over the tops of those trees because that's where the fish are. And so after a couple passes, I figured out the direction that those trees were running and where it was able to stay in them the whole time and increased my success. So between mapping and understanding uh, where you're driving your boat and what you're seeing on your electronics at the same time uh, really play a key factor of you finding those fish. And now when you break that down to Cherry Creek or Chatfield, uh, the one hard thing about those lakes is those fish, those gizzard chat, I should say, are usually so high up that I don't care what sonar you have, unless you have live scope constantly running, you're not going to see those fish that are one to two feet below the surface. There are so many big walleye in Colorado's lakes right now that are hunting four foot and less. I don't care if you're over 30 foot of water or 10 foot of water. They're so high up, your electronics won't find them and your boat will spook them out off to the side. So you want to be looking. Sometimes not seeing fish is okay. Yeah, they're there, and um, and learning that by trolling is going to be what teaches you where these fish actually are. So the act of fishing actually finds these fish as opposed to seeing them on your electronics. So there's a lot of uh, nuances to electronics and just fishing to find your fish. And you couldn't have said it better. That sometimes you just need to fish to find them. And we are at the time of the year. In fact, it came a little later this year. But in Colorado lakes, we're at the time of the year when the bigger fish are going to be suspended out with those bait fish. And it's going to be not that you, there aren't always some fish shallow. There aren't always some fish on structure. But the majority of the mature big fish, you're going to do much better trolling than probably any other presentation right now wouldn't you say that's probably the message to leave people with yeah absolutely and and time and time again i do want to note this look it's it's uh, it's been a weird weather season altogether um but the fish are still it's still summer to them uh with that being said when we hit uh towards the middle of end of july um the nighttime lows actually drop that water temperature just enough for those bigger fish to kind of get that uh, note in their head that, unfortunately, I hate to say the word, but fall is on the way. I feel like we've hardly had summer, but uh, fall is on the way. And so actually in July, literally towards the middle and end of July, we already start to see this change in walleye behavior and have the bigger fish or the first ones to kind of get that um, feeding or binge feeding going. And a lot of times it begins in low light periods and first thing in the morning, last thing in the evening, um, trolling stick baits, whether it's long lining them or behind boards. Uh, a lot of times I like to just long line them and, and work the bait as we're moving along real slow, 1.1 to 1.5 miles per hour, somewhere in that zone. Um, play around with your speed a little, but we really truly start to see that bite start a fall pattern 
start right now. And so keep that in mind. Know that summer is short right now uh, and fall is the next thing to look at. That's your first go-to, in my opinion, for a fall technique is stick baits, uh, long-lined or trolled uh, behind boards uh, coming coming soon. So, Dustin, we are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. If people want more information from you guys, it's Tightline Outdoors on social media, tightlineoutdoors.com, or if they want to book a trip or go attend one of your events. Thank you so much, Dustin. Thanks, Terry. You have a wonderful day. You bet, Dustin Ziegler. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk fishing as Brad Peterson joins us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Uh, it's a beautiful day out. Uh, it's the weather, we may finally have gotten summer. Are you seeing the fish as everybody else is starting to hit summer patterns? Absolutely. This this last week of warm or hot weather in the 90s, pushing 100, really has uh, come about at the same time that the shad have uh, gotten large enough that they're going out in the schools into the basin, and it really has set up all the summer patterns on the lakes up in the, the northern and northeast part of the state. Take us through a few of the good bites. So a few of the good bites, I would tell you to start kind of looking at a few of the lakes like uh, Union and Boyd, kind of along the north front range. Both of those have really good bites going on. Um, Union has got some walleye still being caught in the shallows, but the wiper bite has really turned on. And those fish are out suspended in the basin with the majority of them being 15 to 17 inch fish. So really nice fish. And they're suspended down about uh, 10 to 15 feet most days. Now I've been catching those, uh, you know, pulling crankbaits and spinners and uh, just spending time figuring out the pattern, you know, the, the action and the depth each day is a little bit different. Go up to Boyd. And they don't have the wipers up there, but they've got the white bass. The The white bass has started to boil. That started probably about two, three weeks ago. And it's going really good. I would particularly stick on the north side of the lake from, from the boat ramp area north. That area seems to have more activity going on with the white bass. And it, the boiling activity is more in the evening right now than in the morning. So... Get out there, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. A lot of the boat traffic's going to have already left, and you're going to be able to get in a couple hours of really good fishing, looking and chasing those boils around, um, using little twisters, spinners, you know, little crankbaits, but staying for the white bass in the top two to three feet of the water column. They're really staying up higher than the wipers are down at Union. Um, those you, those white bass when they're when they're schooled up and chasing it it can be almost a fish on every cast. Yeah, it right now I would say you know when you get in them every other cast you're getting bit. So if you're wanting to get someone out for some fast action, it's a great opportunity. It is one that's kind of limited to people that have boats, kayaks, 
float tube, something to get you off ashore. Um, but that's that. If you're able to get out there, you don't have to have anything. You know, a big fast boat, a lot of electronics. Just get out there, kind of sit quiet, look for the schools, and move over towards them and make some casts. So it's an opportunity for every angler and great for kids. If your kids know how to cast, just you know, just understand the basics of casting. This can be great for fast action for the kids. Well, it's just a good time. By the way, I have a video on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, where we chase those white bass at Boyd, and it it's just it's just a wonderful opportunity. Um, have you heard anything about Glendo? We got a good report that McConaughey is fishing just incredible right now. How about Glendo? You know, Glendo is still fishing good. The lake is dropping, so the fish are a little bit in transition. The fish that had been up in the flooded trees and bushes, the water is pulled out of most of that stuff. So you're going to have to look for those deeper weed beds or look for the, the structure, the points, the humps, and stuff like that, that's going to be holding fish. The nice thing about that deeper structure is you're able to use your electronics and go find the fish. So I was up there about uh, 10 days ago. We found some fish suspended over top of weeds back in Airport Bay and caught those good until the morning, uh, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then that bite shut off. And then we went out deep in that 19 to 26-foot range and we were just running points and running humps until we'd mark several fish, stop, and use just a jig and a night crawler, fishing it vertical or casting it and dragging it along the bottom. We caught a lot of fish. The deeper fish at that point in time were smaller fish, but it was faster action. But I think with the lake dropping, some of those bigger fish that had still been back in the coves are going to be pulling out to the, the deeper structure. So you should get a good mix of size there. And then they're always, I know you were talking with Dustin and mentioned the suspended bite that goes on. There always is that suspended trolling bite that happens starting right about now. And it's going to run through October. Typically I like to do that midday um, just because I enjoy, uh, I know both of us enjoy catching fish on jigs and the jig bite is usually a little better in the morning than middle of the day. Yeah. I, I'll admit I love catching them on a jig if I can. Um, a couple more things while we still have time. One is the northeast up to I-76 corridor has kind of struggled this year. What are you hearing? Yeah, it's it's really been tough. Um, let's start at the closest one from Denver, Jackson. Jackson still has really good water levels in it. There's a few wipers getting caught. But uh, overall, the bite just has not been that good. Um, it had really low water. And I think it got hurt by that last year. Pruitt being the next lake, Pruitt is probably the best one of the batch. It's as full as it's ever been. And it's got a lot of smaller walleyes. So 12 to 14 inches, you're catching an occasional keeper. But you're able to go up there and catch numbers right now. So if I was targeting any of them, Pruitt would be the one I would go to for sure. Uh, the deeper water as the water warms up is over by the dam. So kind of look in that area to find your fish right now. Sterling had a tournament up there two weeks ago, and uh, there were 16 teams and a total of 22 walleyes turned in, and they only had to be 14 inches uh, to, to photo uh, and, and enter them into the app that they were using as a photo release tournament. 
and there was only 22 fish. That averages out to like 23 hours per fish. I don't think that's worth spending your time on. Jumbo, you know, got real low, had a lot of fish go out the outlet. It's in trouble. If you're wanting to go Sterling further east, listen to Dustin and head up to McConaughey. Yeah, McConaughey is fishing phenomenal right now. One more thing, Brad, and we're not going to get to spend a lot of time on it. We were going to talk more stocking, but you put out in your newsletter a report of the fish that have been stocked, both sub-catchables and both fingerlings and a fry, and I think some catchables too, but we're not just talking trout here. We're talking walleyes, wipers, bass, warm water species. If people want to see what's been put in some of these lakes so they can kind of follow along as these lakes mature and the fishing gets better, how would they get that information from you? You can go to nocofishingnews.substack.com and that is in the June 19th newsletter. You go on there, just click on that. And I put for most of our major lakes in the Northeast region, uh, I did the warm water species that were stocked this spring and any spot that got brewed trout. And it covers you know, all the lakes and then also covers St. Green State Park and all the ponds there. It's good to know what your stockings are like. It's most of these fish are not stocked at a size that it's going to impact your fishing right away, but it's good to kind of see, oh, wow, this lake got stocked with a bunch more fish this year. Three, four years down the road, there should be a good year class. I need to keep a note on that and go check it out, you know, a few years down the road. And can they get that a link to that on your Facebook page too? Yep, my Facebook page at Brad Peterson Outdoors has a, a couple different uh, posts from it, and you can click the link right there and, and go check it out. And they can also find you on a, for a guide trip there, is that right? Yep, that's a great spot to find me, uh, Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook, or bpo.fishing is my website. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson. Always great information. Really keeps track of these northern lakes. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Our friend uh, from Colorado Clays, J.R. Pierce, is going to join us. And we're going to talk some shooting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Oh, but, well, I'll get to it next time. Go to a break. I'm screwing it up, Dante. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 1043 The Fan. Dante, did you like that little out at the end of the last of the last segment? <laughs> I don't know if he's listening to me. Terry, I like it. Yeah, well, that's that comes with 26 years of being a radio professional. You learn how to do that. <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you. Hey, what I was going to say before the end of the last segment is a texter is out at the Kingsbury Animal Sanctuary. We were talking eagles uh, earlier, and he said he had tons of eagles just five feet away from him out at the Kingsbury Animal Sanctuary, so he, he wanted us to pass that on. Let's go to the phones. Hopefully joining us is uh, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays, patiently hanging on. Good morning, J.R. There I am, Terry. Good morning to you as well. Yeah, so, yeah, you weren't, were you listening? You probably weren't listening when I closed the last segment and just finally said, oh, just go to break. I'm screwing this up. <laughs> uh, 26 years uh, of radio, but I think the other years might be getting to you, Terry. I don't know. We'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. Hey, my friend, you know, one of the things, we talk about a lot of things at Colorado Clays, but we jump around a lot. Why don't you just 
describe the facility to people and what you have there. Yeah, good idea, Terry. You know, and Terry, I know your show is always getting new listeners, so I do like now and again to go over what Colorado Clays is and has to offer those folks who may not know us yet. So Colorado Clays is Colorado's premier public access shooting facility. We feature the very finest in rifle, pistol, and shotgun shooting opportunities for anyone, and we do that with no memberships or reservations needed. Now, Terry, a couple quick examples when I say premier status uh, would be the fact that, for example, 5280 Magazine has rated us the number one outdoor shooting range in Colorado in their review of shooting facilities. And another thing, Terry, that we're really proud of is the fact that most all of our business comes from referrals by satisfied customers. So... For shotgun shooters, we have a training trap field for new shooters and doing lessons and testing guns. We have seven ATA-capable regulation trap fields, uh, two wobble traps, very common with the upland shooters, as we know, two NSSA regulation fields, and, of course, tear the most beautiful 15-station sporting place course anywhere uh, right here in the Box Elder Creek bottom. Now, we have a gun patterning area as well, uh, very handy for the hunters and the shooters, plus much, much more to round out the shotgunner's needs. Uh, we also have a state-of-the-art NRA-approved indoor-outdoor hybrid-type rifle and pistol range, meaning the shooting area is covered, uh, all the luxuries of indoor with stools, padded benches, and such, uh, but it has an open airflow design, so you're actually shooting out into a dirt berm at range. Um, it features 10 bays of rifle with video viewing, meaning a camera on your target and a monitor in your bay for real-time sight-in. It also has 10 bays of pistol out to 25 yards with a target return system. So very beautiful state-of-the-art facility. Uh, but, Terry, we also have ammo available. We do kids programs. We do concealed carry classes. Uh, we are an FFL for gun transfers. Uh, we offer individual or group instruction. Uh, we have shotgun, rifle, and pistol clinics leagues for trap, sporting clays, and pistol, and of course we are the number one venue for corporate and fundraiser shooting events, uh, being only 25 minutes from downtown and open year-round, Terry, I encourage everyone to check us out and, and see what we have to offer you. Now, you talked about fundraisers. I first got to know you folks by attending some fundraisers, I think it was for 4-H, and uh, we went to the festivities out there, and it was a great time. But you have one that's really special to your heart that's just going on. That's Clays for Kids. Tell me about that and how it's going. Yeah. Well, and you know, Terry, I think uh, overall people uh, don't realize how easy it is to put together a shooting fundraiser or event here at Colorado Clays. Uh, be for anything from making some money for uniforms for the high school sports teams to helping out an individual or a family in need to generate funds for any type of organization or charity whether it's local or even national and tell you the process is simple and can be started by simply making a call or sending an email to Corey or myself 
And like I say, Tara, of all the different types and sizes of events we do each year, the one we spoke of last time was the annual Guarantee Electric Clays for Kids event right here at Colorado Clays. Um, that's a one-of-a-kind, really, sporting clays and flurry combination event. Very fun with every penny being generated and given directly to benefit the kids at Children's Hospital right here in Denver. Uh, the event was yesterday, Terry, and it included breakfast, lunch, uh, sporting clay and flurry shooting, door prizes, raffle items, drinks, and even had Children's Hospital representatives here and, and much more. Uh, Terry, it was a great day, and I just really want to thank all the great people from around Denver that participated, which was well over 200 of them. Uh, for their kindness and generosity, uh, we were able to raise over $60,000 to help our kids struggling with childhood illnesses right here in our neighborhood. And, uh, Terry, it was a great day, and I want to thank everyone so much and encourage them to look for that event again next year. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's tremendous. What a, what a great outcome to that, and thank you for what you do to the, for the community. And that's a point that came up while you were talking about that is when you're doing a lot of these fundraisers, they're not closed events. They're open where the public can come in and com kind of compete. It's about the, the cause, but you get a little friendly competition, and you really have a good time, and you get to help a good cause. But it's open to the public most of the time. Yeah, Terry, uh, simply checking our website, um, we will have posts on upcoming events. Uh, we usually have a picture of the flyer for the event. You can call, talk to the event coordinators, see if it's a cause you like, see if it's uh, the type of event you like. We do trap events. We do rifle pistol stuff, sporting clays, of course, being the most common. And it's so simple, Terry, and a lot of people – they're not sure they want to get into competitive shooting. You know, this is a way to get into it, have some level of competition. There's prizes and such, but at the end of the day, that's not really what it's all about. So it just is a way to break into something new, see something different, have a good time, meet fantastic people, and as always, enjoy a great day at Colorado Clays because, as I said, Terry, we are definitely the number one destination for these types of events, and uh, well, we just work so hard and love having one out here. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about today and that's it. You know, I have a mantra on the show about not getting ready to go hunting, but staying ready. Well, we're starting to get past the staying ready stage. Hunting seasons of all kinds, waterfall, upland birds, um, big game, everything is going to be coming. It's going to be honest before you know it. Muzzle loader, which you can shoot out at Colorado Clays. Uh, it is time for people to get out there before they find out too late that something's wrong with your equipment or if in my case something's wrong with your shooting so that you can correct it before it gets to hunting season. Yeah, Terry, and that's what we're heading into right now. Uh, it's very good to see some people getting a head start on it, but I would encourage everybody to get ahead of it. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether you're going you know, for some doves here coming up pretty quick, you know, possibly upland, waterfowl, whatever that may be, for even shotgun competitions, the state shoots coming up, a lot of regional stuff. Uh, that pattern board, got to start there. You know, we just patterned a gun the other day, brand new out of the box. Guy couldn't figure out why he wasn't hitting. Was way high. Very adjustable gun, got him on track. So definitely check your loads. Um, make sure your pattern 
contribution is good for the game you're doing, whether it's uh, hunting or shooting. Um, get that dialed in. Go out on a appropriate type course, Terry. You know, sporting clays are going to be bird hunting is the perfect place to work on your bird skills. Uh, muzzleloader coming up. Colorado Clays is a very muzzleloader-friendly facility. Uh, that open-air design lets that dissipate. We have 50 and 100-yard targets. So most of the muzzleloaders like to start on that 50 and then uh, poke out from there. So come in, get your loads figured out, check your most accurate ones, and make sure your gun's functioning and everything's tight. And, of course, rifle's going to be here before we know it, Terry. Um, get some different loads. Bring them out to Colorado Clays. Find your most accurate load. Make sure your scope is tight. Make sure your optics are working properly. But definitely get ahead of the game because it's always a mad rush at the end. Yeah, and by the way, you mentioned dove hunting. That doesn't count. <laughs> well, we kind of dove hunting, yeah, for you it doesn't. Uh, we just like scaring them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. You have a good rest of the weekend. All right. Thank you, Terry. You bet. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I hate to interrupt an Eagles song. Everybody knows I love the Eagles. Great, great group. To me, the best all-time music group that uh, in the U.S. has ever seen. But we'll get some arguments about that later. We're going to start wrapping things up here. Um, a couple of things I want to cover. You know, we had, uh, we had a lot of winter weather, snow, and we had a lot of rain this spring. We're finally getting into kind of a summer pattern. It's affecting fishing. It's affecting game movements. We're going to try to cover that. Next few weeks, we'll be talking about big game movements and uh, how you got to start your scouting maybe a little different this year because of the amount of water. It's also a lot of underbrush and cover that's going to affect all kinds of hunting this year that we need to talk about. The fishing, some of the lakes that were frozen over for long periods of time experienced some fish loss. We'll try to keep you on top of that. Doesn't mean there isn't good fishing at them, but you need to be aware of that. And some of them, we're getting into some of the prime bites, like the walleyes are starting to suspend with the bait fish now. And uh, that trolling bite on a lot of lakes is going to get phenomenal. Wipers and white bass are starting to school up, chase the shad. And if you're looking for trout, both the lakes, as you go up in elevation, the high country and even the mid-elevation lakes are just on fire, most of them right now. And the rivers are fly fishing, probably the best they have in two or three years for this time of the year and or more. And it's just phenomenal. I uh, had a great report from the folks at the Colorado Angler to open the show. I will put that as we put a lot of our our uh, information. We'll podcast that on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. So follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And also follow us on YouTube. A lot of the fishing we're talking about right now, the trolling bite and this white bass schooling, there are videos. They were shot a while ago. They're from legacy episodes from my television shows. But they get in-depth. They give you, they're filmed right here on the lakes around here and teach you about those bites. And they're very pertinent and very happening right now so go and watch those and while you're out there on social media don't forget to look for wickstrom and dobrith's music i mean we loved we got a new single coming out i finished the vocals for it this week 
and that'll be hitting the streaming oh probably in a few weeks well i don't want to put a date because we have to do the final mix but that'll be kind of fun we got to do a photo shoot but follow us on social media and your favorite streaming service wickstrom and dobreth and uh, housekeeping the next two weeks july 29th and august 5th because of some broncos training camp programming we will be moving uh, over to ESPN from 10 to 12. And it happens to us, I don't know, two to six times, three to four times a year where we move over to our sister station, ESPN. So from 10 to noon, the next two weeks, you'll find Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN 10 to noon. And you can go to the fan or denversports.com and click listen to ESPN and follow us online if you like to listen online or if you don't get the ESPN signal. Now, is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio? I'm here, Coach. I got two things. We got training camp kicking off because I'm getting booted over to the other station. It's an so, outrage. But I'm up. But I'm a big fan, so I don't. I I love. We're fine. Um, two things, and I was talking to Dante about this earlier. You know, they signed another kicker, Mar from Dallas. Um, he had, he went through a stretch where he couldn't make an extra point there for a while. I don't know if he's the answer. I don't think the guy we got in camp is already the answer. Is kicking uh, like fishing? On. Is it like fishing where you just go through stretches where you know you can't catch anything, and then all of a sudden you're just back to normal? I don't know. I wouldn't have, no, I've never had a stretch like that. I can tell you if it's like golf, I've never had a good stretch. Yes. <laughs> but, no, I think there's, um, I, we'll see. If he's on, he's a proven NFL kicker. But, uh, you know, I know we probably let our current kicker go because of the money situation. He was making more than they like to pay a kicker. But he was pretty reliable. Hope that doesn't come back to bite him. So uh, your thoughts on the kicker? Yeah, McManus, I guess, was falling off. Um, and, you know, he made a little bit of money. And I think they just thought they could get the same production out of him. And, and I think Sean Payton didn't like the fact that he was the player rep and he wasn't showing up and he was stirring up discontent amongst the uh, the faithful on the uh, from a player's perspective. And so I think that was more of a message like, hey, you know, some of you guys can get away with not showing up to work. If it's quote voluntary, but the the mouthy kicker, no thanks, thanks, but no thanks. We'll we'll get better and cheaper at the position. Um, so uh, it, it's a little dicey because that's one of those things you don't ever want to think about your kicker. You just want it to be automatic, and it looks like they're just gonna, you know, ban- it's like they're treating running backs now, right? Like ah, it's no big deal, yeah. just plug and play. Could be a little bit dangerous, so it could come back to bite you. Real quick, because we only I got to close out the show. Will the starters play a lot in preseason? That, you know, they were talking about this week. I'm just not sure. I think they should if they want to get off to a good start. Like, I don't like this glamping. Like, what they call it glamp. You know, it would have been, you know, glamp, you know, can't ha- Coach Hackett glamping 2.0 this year. Um, I think they I think they need to put in their work. All right, my friend. Let me close this out, and you can tell people all about it. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. We'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. Tune in every Saturday from 9 to 11, except the next two will be 10 to known over on ESPN. Thanks to Dante in the studio. Thanks to Karen for putting this together. We'll let the Eagles take us to Dan Jacobs and Sports on 104.3 The Fan.